right, we gotta kill that one. <laughs> I'm Rachel. Are Jenkins. you gonna just roll this out? You're super tame host. <laughs> I'm Becca Merkel. You don't even want to know what's going on. Oh my heavens! No. So last week we just fired out that old podcast with never a piece of enthusiasm in it. I don't think from either of us. <laughs> We couldn't remember afterwards what to blurb what did, it, what we spoke of, and no, I think it's best to just leave it behind us. I even tried to, well, no, I mean, I did. I was like, all right, I don't know what we talked about. They need a summary. I'll have to listen to it and find out what we talked and about. And you still couldn't tell. I still couldn't you tell. You still couldn't tell, and that's like, a sign of a poorly crafted <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we meandered. We, Whoops. We meandered through some times and talks and things. Yeah, you stuff know, happened. Do you remember that we were speculating on bureaucratic tendencies in Nineveh? <laughs> So clearly we got the important stuff done. We brought out the important issues. How do you title that? (laughs) Speculation. In which, in this podcast, we speculate about the annoying personalities present in cultures of old times. (laughs) We speculate because we have no hard data at all. Oh, my heavenly day. Well, we're off for some new topics this week. Oh, my word. The Bible reading challenge kicked off in a fever of of Facebook additions to the group, which is super fun. Like, very fun that the group is like, oh, I think it's around 6,400 right now. That's great. That's very cool. And it's really my favorite post in that group is when someone's like, hi, joining you from Singapore and, you know, like reading mm-hmm. and then someone in the comments is like, hey, I'm in Singapore. Like, <laughs> like where there's this like, great. where and there was a big shout out love fest from all the mummies in the UK to the oh, other mummies, great. which I love and it makes the rest of us want to call ourselves mummies because nobody does that it here. It sounds so much more like something. What interesting. does it sound? Interesting and sort of Cozy and exotic at the same time. What was it that they would say a slummy mummy? No, no, it's a a yummy mummy. A yummy mummy, not a slummy mummy. I don't know if it's slum. I can't remember. It also rhymed. Mm. So, (laughs) Becca Becca can't keep it to herself. I can't keep it to myself. Um, (laughs) Now we're going to just have to say. It's late at night, guys. It's not late. It's eight. It's late to me right now. It was eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. And when Becca got here to do the podcast, I went to look in the fridge. Like, what beverage shall I bring? Shall we have LaCroix? No. It didn't seem quite right. And I was like, ah, we should have a beer. Which is why we were laughing when we got started because I cracked the top off Well, she opens it and I'm like, well, let's start. And then she takes a big swig right that very (laughs) instant. Which is why there was a bit of a tussle there at the well it was just because the it made a it made more of a sound effect than any of us saw coming so the um bible reading challenge is off in a speedy race towards uh not giving up into guilty habits that's what we're trying to do get everyone to stay the course and just keep reading which is well the good news is that last year when we did the all the way through the bible i was battling against my normal tendencies. I was like, I'll just try it this way. Mm-hmm. I'll just pick up where we're supposed to be. If I miss a day, I'm not going to go back and, then and make catch it up. up. And then catch and up day catch is, up is what and you can do that. But yeah. there were, there were times when it's like, nope, it just went all the way back in the rear view mirror and I didn't get it. You know, like, so there were at the end of the year, there were some blanks right. hither and thither in my reading log. But the, 
uh, New Testament one that we did over the summer, there were none. So I was did like, you do the bonus reading too? No, I was doing the basic. I was doing the basic plan, and I'll be real, I'll fess up. I did not even worry about the memorization. Oh, you know what's I was funny? Like, I'm just going to do the We probably shouldn't reading. talk about this, but I never did do any of the memorization, and I also never felt bad about it. No, me neither. I, I had the verses printed, but the thing that I found is that that does not fit conveniently into my life anywhere. Like, I no. need to do something yeah. that overcomes And this. I don't care about that. So I was like, well, I mean, I care about memorizing. Yeah, but not, it. it wasn't your priority at it the moment. It didn't need to be that right then. Right. So anyway, no, but I had no blanks at the end of the summer. I didn't end right on the day though, because there were, I went back and filled in a couple of blanks. Oh, I think but, I was doing that, but I was doing that. I did the same thing except for I did the, I did the bonus reading. So I was, I kept up with the basic the whole summer, but then there was some of the bonus reading that I kind of fell behind on, but I went back and tagged yeah. all those at the end. But the thing, the thing that I think is great about this is that I also don't like leaving the blanks. Like I right. would prefer to just yeah. do it the right, like what I would see mm-hmm. as the right way. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that the commitment to jump back in on the day that you're on or to not get woefully behind the group. Like I don't well, because, care if I get a day behind and I have to double the reading in a day or if something because happens. Because the thing is you could tick every box and you could have it all filled out in order and yet only get halfway there. Yes. Yeah, or no. you can just or you just commit to the pace, powering but on. But what I found is that it's kind of like I don't driving like down a washboard road. You're just gonna <laughs> just it's gonna be bumpy no matter what. Battle your way yeah. down it. So I had um, the thing that I found is that because I prefer that, I was actually way more motivated to stay on top of it because I don't like jumping out of the day yeah. when I have yeah. a lapse. Well, because if I'm you like, miss no. two days, that's a good stretch of the book that you just whizzed over. Yeah, or and in then, the New Testament, you might miss the whole thing. Yeah, you might so be in and out. Like, and you're like, did I read that? Yeah, what happened? You're yeah. Like, now I'm in Jeremiah, and who are we prophesying against now? I don't know. So when we did the whole Bible last year, I would listen on audio occasionally, and especially if you know there was some really big squeeze, I prefer to read it in the book. But um, and I feel like I get more out of it. If you read not on your phone? I, I Reading on my phone is fine, but I like the, I prefer to read paper, but I will read on my phone if I'm in the car or something. You know, I like whichever. I actually um, am, I'm really enjoying doing it on my phone, but anyway. Yeah, but uh, the thing I like about the paper is finding the spot again. I like, I like knowing where it is kind of in the book. I so, get that, yeah. So that's the main thing. But the, but the point that I'm trying to make is that I had been um, reading doing the Grant Horner plan, which I love, which was cool. It was 10 chapters a day in 10 different places. And I had been doing that before we started the Bible reading challenge. And for whatever reason, that plan has you reading the book of Job a lot because you go through Job. I think it's like Job, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, but Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes just shoot through, but then you're back at Job again and you're like, it takes a while. And, um, so I had read Job a number of times. So then when we got to Job, I felt like I'd read Job a lot recently, kind mm-hmm. of. So when we got to Job, I listened to the whole book, but I listened to the whole book like in one day while I was doing laundry. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was very moving to hear it read when I was right. familiar with what was happening. Yeah. Admittedly, it's easy to lose track of when Eliphaz is saying what he shouldn't. <laughs> Sometimes well, you're like, what? Is I actually, this it or is I, this not I mean, it? I do listen at times when I need to. 
Mm-hmm. And if, like, say, for instance, tonight I have to drive to the airport to pick up Ben after we finish here. And that would be a perfect time for me to listen because I'm just sitting. It's me by myself in the car. Yeah. And I can just go. But if I'm trying to do the dishes and listen, I find it much harder for me to actually... Because I have to walk away, you know, and go do this. Or somebody comes in and right. asks me a question. Or then I suddenly have a thought of like, oh, did I take that out of the freezer or whatever, you know? And so, and then I realize, oh dear, you know, a chapter has yeah. gone by and I don't actually You're like, know my mind says. wandered because I think a big part of that is because the whole multitasking life of a homemaker that you actually use your mind like that all the time yeah. where you're doing the dishes, but thinking about yeah. a new laundry strategy right. or doing something, but planning the menu or yeah. doing. So, I mean, it works yeah. in the rough and tumble. It but, works. That's what I, I was going to say is that Job was really moving to me to listen to, but I was falling behind on Isaiah and Ezekiel, and both of those I listened to, like I just listened to a bunch of, like mm-hmm. I, I caught up, or I caught up, or I didn't get behind, I can't remember which, by listening to those. Sure. And both of those, I was like, man, note to self, get that done in the paper Bible next time, because <laughs> I did not get what I wanted to have gotten out of those. Like, I listened to it, but yeah. you were like, man, I know that was, especially Isaiah, which is overwhelming. I mean, Ezekiel has more odd bits in it, where you're like, it does have odd bits. What's happening with this wheel? Like, what? It's <laughs> way true. up in the middle of the air. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the case. You can't picture it. But you know what an, an interesting factoid is? No, I do not. Well, now that we're speculating about Nineveh, yeah, why that was not, one of our why main not topics. Break this yeah. news out, okay? Um, <clears throat> so, Ovid casually references the wheels of heaven, oh, right? And you're like, really? What do you mean by that? Because tell us more. There are some wheels of one heaven. One of the few cases where you would say, "Tell us more, Ovid." Tell us more. We Most of the time, know. you're saying, "Pack it back in, Ovid." <laughs> Nobody wanted to know. But <laughs> this is horrible. The uh, uh, when we were in the British Museum in the Assyrian section this summer, there are all of these like wheel. It's a wheel like with wings hovering over the battles and stuff. Mm, like it's just a big I, wheel. Right. And I thought to myself, interesting. The right. ancients had a wheel. They believed in that. <laughs> so that's interesting. Isn't that odd? You're yeah. just like, man, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. Well, because you think about those ancients. Like, picture before the flood, when they were all behaving badly. Mm-hmm. Um, God had put a cherubim outside the Garden of Eden so that they could not get back in. Which means anyone strolling past would have seen the cherubim. Right. And you wonder. And you're like, actually, have you ever wondered, like, when God tells them to make images of cherubim to put on top of the ark, how do they know what it looks like? Because I would be nonplussed if I was told to draw a cherubim. Well, and clearly all of our artists have headed the wrong direction about what are the cherubim. No. We've come out with fat babies. Uh Fat naked babies with stubby wings. That go on, like, old ladies' powder that they would leave in the bathroom on the back yeah. of the toilet. Whereas, know, the meanwhile, big... the cherubs were terrifying. But <clears throat> but the yeah. thing is, is they actually were like, oh, yes, we'll do some sculptures of some cherub, you know, yeah. cherubim. Mm-hmm. And, but you're like, there were at least times when, well, the cherubim was there to make sure the people didn't get in. So. Right. Or that whole you thing know, with the, when David does the census when he wasn't supposed to and then it's the oh, man. disease that comes and this is he what chooses, I was telling you. He chooses the disease as the punishment and then yeah. the angel 
stops it. The angel comes and stops it. But the, isn't that what? Well, that is but what the, you no, were telling the me. Angel, yeah, it is. That where that happened was where the temple. But the was? angel is bringing the bringing the plague and then stops and then under that spot is where David builds an altar Build, and then because that becomes... that's where the angel stopped. But the interesting part is that that is the spot that the temple was built on, which right. means then when you have the totally. next to like the coming in judgment on the temple and not one stone will be left on like there's a there's a whole lot of layers of symbolism layers. happening there yeah yeah very cool anyways that it's been fun it's fun to jump back in we started with psalm 119 which i love but it also is that one i saw today someone i think it may have been spurgeon because spurgeon wrote that um you know he wrote something about david he wrote one or two things I know, but it's a really, it's like, for whatever reason, I can't think of the name of it, but it's very, it's one that you would totally know the name of it. We would all know the name of it. (laughs) Morning and evening. No, it was like, it's like, (laughs) uh, whatever. I want to say it was like, it's not Psalms of David, but it's, it's something like that. That's very, you you would recognize it. Whatever the case, he, I think it may have been him who referred to Psalm 119 as David's pocketbook. Because of that interesting alphabetical arrangement oh, where mm-hmm. every, where in each one, and he says that some people think it's repetitive, but that that's just really foolish because he never says the same thing twice. Like it's a okay. very long, long poem, mm-hmm. but then in every time he restates something really similar, there's always a little bit of a difference Twist, that is yeah. a depth to it or a different like, and he he described it, or I think it was him, I don't know who it was, uh, but described it as like the temple is described of the huge, the cube, mm-hmm. you know, like where it the is. The Holy of Holies is the cube? No, but, no, the new, the new, oh, the Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, yeah, yeah sorry, the new the new Jerusalem being mimicking the cube of the Holy of Holies, yeah. right? But anyways, the point being, he was saying that it's like that, that it's building some structure that we can't really comprehend. Like yeah. this is a, and it yeah. is like a love poem to God's word. Like, mm-hmm. and it's a good one to keep in mind as we get to some of the nappier sections of the Old Testament. The ones <laughs> that are harder for people to really get a grip on is how many times David is saying, I love your law, like, and I love your yeah. precepts, and I love your statutes, and you think that those are the things that we are not we as gifted at loving. Feeling drug out about it. Yeah. We're yeah. like, oh, how could like you? More yeah. Deuteronomy, really? Yeah, exactly, and he's just full of so much love for it, so. Yeah. So we meant to talk today about... We didn't mean to talk about anything. We vaguely... We were here with no intentions at all. <laughs> She it's actually it, an accident that we're recording ourselves. Like we pulled out a spreadsheet and our bulletin board. And well, what we meant I don't to think any of our today. listeners would be so wild as to presume we had a plan. You know those crime shows where they have the bulletin boards with all the pictures and strings everywhere where it's like, <laughs> this is what I'm building here in the back of my closet is my board of... That's what we have, guys. But see, what, we really, what really kills me dead is that our own local local law enforcement postings like on Facebook when they're looking for help catching someone. <laughs> like, We've had some zingers lately. Mm-hmm. And they were like, here's the, <laughs> here is the video footage. Like, but it's not, it's just frozen shots of the guy who used a stolen credit card at our local Walmart. So it's like the man in the oh. self checkout with the right. stolen credit card at Walmart. 
Mm-hmm. And the pictures from the security camera that's like full on his face and him walking out and they know what his car looked like and no one can tell who it is because it's like really bad low resolution. Because we don't have like... Because as it turns out, you cannot actually zoom, zoom in, in on an image well, that was pixelated at the shows, outset. they have all the data... <laughs> whatever software that they can and the immediately like and the make like it. godlike knowledge that if you oh wait do you see that raindrop facial if recognition we zoomed in on that raindrop we could catch a reflection of the yeah. villain's face do you see and the tear could, in his eye and then we could run it through our facial, yeah, facial recognition rec. yeah because, and then we'll run it through Interpol, what i'm saying is and Moscow. then we'll cross-reference with anyone who's been in the state lately yeah Moscow, shopping for tobacco turns out moscow doesn't have that kind of technology what we have is a straight-on headshot of someone and you can't tell what he looks like <laughs> well, like, then, well, I see he had blue shorts and then on. It's also good. Like, Ben had his credit card snatched um, from Winco. Uh, I can't remember why. We w- Oh, we went back in because somehow we'd lost a receipt that we needed to have. And so mm-hmm. Ben was like, I bet they can help me at customer service. So he went to the desk, but he had to show his credit card or something. And he set I his wallet about there. This. Like, he had to set his wallet out there because he was waiting to, like, use the yeah. credit card. At the end of the day... He walked off, leaving his wallet sitting there for a second. He realized it pretty soon. Came back. It wasn't there. It was like, so there's this whole thing. And he called and we searched everywhere. And then it was like, I really think it was a Winco. So they check out the security footage. And they have <laughs> the, the whole footage of the lady who comes up, spots it, kind of sticks her arm over it sweeps it into her bag <laughs> leaves and then proceeds to did charge she char- it? I can't I don't know if she did charge anything on it I don't think she did I think we they caught her pretty fast they found her out they figured out who she was because they mm-hmm. all sort of recognized her as oh yeah that lady she the lives one in that Coleman. we probably frequently so, nab so the cops like went busted into her apartment I oh, think my word. in the night what? Yeah, I think they went and blasted in, and she had the wallet, <laughs> and she did the straight up. No, I didn't. Really? Right? Even I didn't do with that. the video montage? Yeah, it her? didn't matter. Like, so then they had. Then it was endless months of Ben couldn't have his wallet back because <laughs> they had crime. to take it to court. She was saying like, "No, I didn't." All the way to court. And it was like, really? This is being really tedious. It's not like they planted a Moscow man's wallet in your apartment. No, I know. Oh, man, that's funny. So she was just doing the, like, how did that end up there sort of a thing. I don't thing. even know what you're talking about. I don't about. even know. And uh, then at the last split minute, after Ben's been getting summons to court over this, <laughs> over this big issue, uh, then she finally was like, okay, fine, and pled guilty. But it was, like, months. Oh, my word. That he couldn't get his wallet back and all of the stuff that you have in your wallet. Yeah, that's so obnoxious. And you didn't want to go buy all, get all no, new stuff because, anyway. because it's just there. Yeah. Oh, anyway, man. all I'm saying is that it, <clears throat> even when you make a clean arrest, it's not always a clean conviction. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have to say that I, tonight, said what I've intended to say for some time. Which is oh, about she sailed out there, guys. I did because every time I see rumors of the Catholic scandals drifting by me, yeah, I don't say it. And then I was like, I the just, I just come. need to say this so that I the can. The time just, has come. I just the need to get said. this out there. Yeah, exactly. It's just that 
we, because we have old words and old traditions for things, we sometimes don't reflect on what a poor idea they were <laughs> at the outset. Like, just because this has been happening for a long time does uh-huh. not make it wise at no. all. And my point that I was making is that at no time in history or in the future has it been or will it ever be a good idea for two sinners to get into a closet and whisper to each other about sin? <laughs> like, because just, um, they're both what sinners. could go wrong? Right, and you think, like, wouldn't we know this in any other situation? No, we don't, because people do it all over the place. Yeah, but I, I just think that it's hilarious when you think about the idea of, like, who would have ever thought that the man <laughs> could be abused. That the human man who got in there and said, Yeah, sure, tell me all the bad things you ever did and then and there's this whole like vow of secrecy around the whole situation and that who would have ever thought that that could turn into any other kinds no. of abuse of power? Who would ever exploit truth or dare? Right. No one. No, no one, one ever No one's that's, ever done anything. That's why bad. it's so popular because it is so safe. <laughs> Nothing ever goes wrong. So the thing that was striking to me, though, I mean, the important point is just that we don't need all the priests to be reformed. We just need one perfect priest and all of the rest can quit. <laughs> like, because the thing is, is that like no human person can fill that role no. in any kind of satisfactory way. And it's true that it's especially deadly combined with the the Christ on the cross that they have that the you know the Christ being perpetually sort of on the cross and right. then priests pretending that they're the mediator between a person and God instead of a risen Christ at the right hand of God right. interceding for us as a perfect priest who will not wrong you right right but I feel like probably, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I think most of our listeners are probably Protestant. So they're yeah. probably not all we off. We may be being a little. They're not all off doing this in the in the confession booth. However. No. We however, thought we would draw a line of reasoning. Here's the thing How though. we might be behaving like this. People do it. And people do it for all kinds of nefarious reasons. But <clears throat> moms will get together in Facebook comment threads to discuss their sins together you know mm-hmm. like just to discuss it and usually no good comes of that there's a lot of people who reassure themselves and go further deeper into their sins yeah um from that and then of course if you just picture any group of oh i don't know adolescents ever mm-hmm. the group that is off in the corner whispering to each other about sin Mm -hmm. is the hot pot of doom. It is not actually any kind of accountability. It is not accountability. Because it sort of becomes sort of a... It's enabling in the biggest ways. Right, and desiring something to tell. Or to hear. Or to hear. Or to tell again. And it's mostly mostly salacious. And... And but but among mothers, so I'm thinking we're not talking to the teens, but among mothers, how does this kind of thing happen? And I think it happens with really that reciprocal, I allow your problems and I make you feel better without you having to confess anything. And then in turn, you allow mine and you will also make me feel better without me having to confess anything. Yeah, because telling another person about your sin, while sometimes very necessary and sometimes a key part of repentance, is not 
the same thing as repentance. No, no. If I call Rachel and tell her about my bad attitude, nothing is fixed. <laughs> nothing has been made right. No. I have just basically spread my bad we attitude. Have an, amb- an ambassador further coming out. out. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, it's the Shadster. It's my six-year-old brilliant first grader. Hold that Hold thought, on. everyone. Pause, pause. He's coming to talk of what, sin. Dad? Can you help me with my blanket? Uh, but you should go get your bed on. I'll be in in a few months. I'll be in soon, okay? And then I'll help you. Okay. Love you. <laughs> Somebody needs some help with his blanket. It's important. Mm-hmm. you got to have help with your blanket. Pretty sure... I don't know what kind of help it is that he really needs, but it's not much. <laughs> so the idea of confessing your sins being telling someone that you struggle with this and then having that person be like, oh, you are actually an amazing mom. Mm-hmm. And that but the I only think that problem like- is that you're having is that everyone is expecting too much of you. Yeah, You that's can't true. do However, everything. However, I do think that like... Even though, theoretically, we're Protestants, I do think a lot of women look to each other to absolve them. Totally. In the same way that some people go to the priest to be absolved. And occasionally you're assigned some penance, but mostly you're just absolved. Generally not. I've often wondered, a long time ago on the podcast I talked, I told that story about that. Some video that crossed my path on Facebook that was like a musical montage to the mom who's crying alone in the bathroom eating Cheetos because (laughs) she can't handle another minute of this. And then it'd be like, to you who's... And and all of it was just like, yelled at your kids and you're crying because you yelled at them again and you never meant to yell at them but you keep yelling at them. It was that kind of thing. And it goes on and on. And then it switches to happier images with a lot of you are worthy like you are beautiful, you yeah. are enough. And the thing that just drives me bonkers about that is, how do you know who you're talking to? Like, doesn't you, matter anymore. No, but like, you just think an affirmation is universally applicable. Well, okay, so I have seen. It is, of course, completely ubiquitous everywhere in our in our culture that you ought to cultivate self love. That's yeah, a big oh, yeah. thing. People what a monster. And I need self-love. But I have started seeing that just get like casually dropped by Christian women oh, and yeah. girls. So bad. Who apparently have not stopped to think that they ought to know better <laughs> than that. Well, but like that the goal is never to love yourself. No, we do that already. Yeah, it's not one of the things <laughs> that we struggle with. <laughs> That's the thing about that dad is always saying about the the person who is always beating themselves up uh, is actually involved in self-worship because they're like, even if you're accusing yourself all the time, it's you are always the topic. Like, well, the, what's the one most important topic? Me, 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 <laughs> me. Well, dad's point is that like if you have someone who's a straight up boaster... Who's always talking about, I'm so great, I'm so smart, I'm the mm-hmm. best. If you were to have a little imaginary screen above their head, 
that just projected who are they talking about, thinking about all the time. Well, it's themselves. But if you have the little, I'm a worm, I'm so bad, I'm so inadequate, I'm never good enough, nobody likes me, everything's horrible for me, who's on their little screen? Themselves. It is I. It is I again. The focus of all of my thoughts. <laughs> They're just as self-absorbed. Whether, whether I be nice about myself or rude about myself, myself is still the most it's important all thing I to speak me. Of. Yeah, the one that I think about all the Have time. Have I said before our kids when they were little that did the... I think they made this up. They would say, brag or boaster, you broke the toaster. <laughs> I've been quoting that and recently. Then, yeah, and then we we dropped out the brag or boaster part, so now it's just a random reference in our house where somebody will be like, boom! What was that? <laughs> it's like, I think it was Ooh, our toaster. <laughs> somebody blew the toaster. Somebody broke the toaster. Somebody blew the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is you can be self-absorbed you know, even, negatively, even if you, and, think and that. so if you're, if you're saying, I just don't think I'm good enough to be a mom. I just don't think that I have what it takes. And I just think I'm being letting everyone down. And I just think I'm, it's like, no, that is just a nonstop monologue about the self. <laughs> like look but, away yeah, for a so, hot minute. And then they think, here's what I need to do. I need to prioritize myself more. I need to get some self love in this. What we've really got to focus stew. on is making me notice me some more. It's like it's like you've got like a mildewy stew, and you think if you heat it up, that might be a good idea. Really sad, and it's very deceptive for being just a little bit more. Like people sometimes think it sounds like a can-do spirit or a Mm -hmm. um, like. I've been seeing ladies say things like. You know, it's just so important to never give up on yourself and never stop believing in yourself and never, you know, like stop loving yourself. Blah blah blah. Sounds and like then, a pretty dark time. But to they'll me. throw in a, all glory to God oh, as a word. kind of a throwaway remark. But it is absolutely incompatible with, with a biblical yeah. view of how you ought to be thinking about yourself because. No, it's ridiculous. And and, then, and it's like we've just imbibed it from everywhere, from the commercials for shampoo or whatever and the sitcoms and the Disney shows. They're just basically forcing it upon everyone and the sad part is to see anyone taking it on. But like But there's a lot of people who who have and they feel like we should just say at the outset, loving yourself is a lame goal. Like lame. And (laughs) and if you try to get there and this is the thing I say. I have said this many times. You've probably all heard me say it. And yet here I go again. Um, but you think like the world says like to have a healthy body image, you need to be able to look love in the yourself. mirror and love yourself. Yeah. And like a Christian should just blow the hugest raspberry at that because yeah. you don't need to love your body like that. You need to be able to look in the mirror and love your God. Like, look at what he gave you and love him and be thankful and don't, yeah, don't nitpick your body and freak out about that because God gave it to you. And it was with his, his intentions in that when he gave you that, you know, particular skin aspect or whatever it is, (laughs) is not your problem. Like, 
And you need to be able to look at your body and be grateful to God for it. And that doesn't mean that you can't work on changing it. No. You have to do it from a place of gratitude and not from a place of self-worship. And I would say from a place of rest because, like, every time you are in the grocery store and you see all the headlines and all the magazines, all of them are trying to tell you how to become the goddess that you would be that you would actually feel comfortable worshiping. And mm-hmm. for what happens is that people, you cannot actually con yourself into believing you're worthy <laughs> of worship. And it's a very tense time trying to do that because well, you're like, I have to become worthy of worship, but then who's going to worship you, but mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. So the only worshiper is yourself. And then if you're not able to somehow fill both of these roles, because as a worshiper, you want to have a higher standard. You're like, but you're yeah. the worst. And as the worshiped, you want demand something. It's like, a, it's a horrible so tangle. I am reading a couple of books by Mary Beard right now. One's on Rome and one's about, um, how we see, and it's just sort of different cultures and uh-huh. art, how we look at things. Um, but she said something, and I can't remember which book it's in, um, but it was very profound, I thought, where she was talking about these ancient pharaohs and things who the the PR line was, I am God, mm-hmm. right? I am the the human manifestation of Ra or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Like, and she was saying, like, think how actually terrifying that would be to be that person. Because whether or not you have fooled everyone else, you yourself still know that you're just human. Yeah. And so the sort of crisis position that would put it. you in. And she's like, so there had to have been a great deal of, like, self-deception involved because you'd be constantly trying to make yourself feel like yeah. you were worthy of what you said you were. Yeah. And I think there's a, a similar hang up that people can get into where it is yeah, a because crisis. you're like, I actually know I'm not all that, but so I want then, to be all but that. But I want to be all that so that I can feel good about honoring myself mm-hmm. in the way that I think is healthy. And see, I feel like everybody's success story in the world uh, is I finally love uh, myself. You know I finally feel great about myself. I finally can just wear a bikini I and love it. I look at myself in my bikini and I say, <laughs> you look fierce girl you go work it and then and you're like why though you know because you don't look great and it doesn't matter what you think or to if yourself. you did and if you did you still shouldn't be doing that so this is all a bad idea but the thing i think the thing that is so fatal is is christian women not actually succeeding in that because they actually have more guardrails lord willing on like the world is doing this whole hog like Cosmo is like trying to tell you how to become a sex goddess you know like or how to do this and go get implants and and do, and and do all these things say, one hot minute later wants you to be in a women's rights march which is the height so of irony height of irony just anyway. so stupid it's so bad <laughs> it's like but the idea being see if you can objectify like, yourself how could you become, and then see if you can yell at people for a but i don't think it. i don't think it is i think well this is real hypothetical now because i don't read cosmo no i, I never i what never they, have i always laugh that they think they're discovering like why well, they always act like this just in some sex tip and you think <laughs> But, like, do you really think that you guys are breaking ground on such a well-trod subject <laughs> in the course of humanity? Are you this all new? No, you know like, what it is? Go it's, away. I think like, they seem to be on a 
uh, like their mission statement is we shall find any taboo and we will break it. Yeah, we'll work on but that. But they're running out of ideas. Yeah, but the so... thing, maybe they're breaking the feminism taboo now. <laughs> the thing that I think they're doing now is that, that it's about having men worship you. So that's less about the sex side is not about self-worship. It's about can you command any other worshipers? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is there any way mm-hmm. you can get... Can you get a little cult going? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if you could just get that going Even for yourself? Even if you could just pretend that you're having a cult following, that would be It'd be good. amazing, yeah. So <laughs> even if you could make one person on Instagram believe that you're having that kind of a following. Filters I, are great. Filters. Yeah, they're good. So know. I think the, the thing about that is that <laughs> the idea of self-worship is just so broken and that that we're just not made for that. We're made to be worshipers of of our creator, not worshipers of anything else. And like it's just a really sad cycle to get yourself yeah. into. Well, and it's ever diminishing returns. Well, to say the <laughs> least. Like and it, and you're not becoming more like what you should like you become less and less of a thing. You know, like, you become less and less of a person the more consumed you are. Like, I... Sometimes I will... If you think back to the body image things, the more you think about a woman who does not have a perfect body. Or even close to it. But is totally at ease Mm -hmm. with herself. Is only about 300 times more pleasant to be with. (laughs) And more attractive. And everyone likes you better. Like, it's it's more fun. But it is more attractive than somebody who's obsessing about themselves all the time. Even if they're beautiful. Choke. Like, or I saw a girl at Walmart recently that had, like, major makeup on. When I say major, I mean, like, woo. Like, heavy-duty contouring, fake eyelashes... Yeah. Possibly some kind of lip filler going on because she was, it was a very fake, sure. fake face. But in pajama pants. Hmm. Like with them, it was a very, like I think she thought she was pulling off a casual Fridays look. Like, <laughs> like she was like, this is me with my messy ponytail and hardly any false eyelashes and inflatable lips on. <laughs> You're like, whoa, wow, who deceived you that this looks, but my point in that is that it was like, you can't even tell who the person is in there. No. Like you, you're like, you're hard to locate. Like, are are you happy under there? (laughs) What's going on? Well, yeah, but that it's, I don't know. I just think it is a, there's an interesting kind of deceit to that self preening that is less comfortable ever. I think that when we're constantly told this is the ideal is to love yourself and be happy with yourself and comfortable with yourself and all of this stuff. And you ought to work and slave to do so so. that you can become that. Well, and and like you, if you see Gwyneth Paltrow saying some redonkulous thing upon her (laughs) newsletters, (laughs) <laughs> I haven't seen that in years, but she is an amazing, amazing person. Yeah. But if you can see that and believe her that she's happy, yeah, 
you're being deceived. Like, if you can see those things and think, yeah, well, look at this lady. She's really got it made. Or like the, who's the one? Rachel Hollis, the girl wash your face thing. Oh, yeah. That if you can see her and think, that's someone who's figured out how to do this right. Mm -hmm. And not instead see that this is a big effort. Well, this is back to the magazine covers again because we simultaneously think that all those celebrities who end up on the covers of magazines all the time, like, they are the ones... they're the ones made. who got it sorted because out. I, because but, if anything has been shown to us, being married to Brad Pitt is just a joyride. Always. Always. It turns out well for everyone. Never heartbreak. No. Nothing's no. ever gone wrong there. Never shattered no. anything. No. Nothing. I mean, it's just been a no, dream but it's for like, all people involved. It's like we have this weird <laughs> hamster wheel of... They are amazing and perfect and splendorous in every way. And look at how bad they've face planted. Look at her oh cellulite. Oh my goodness, they hate each other look and they're on drugs. <laughs> look at the drugs. Look at the suicide attempts. Actually, she's bulimic. And, and, it's like and the tell all story. I know. Betrayal. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> the butler finally speaks. We're going to find out everything there is to know about what a couple of rich, sad people have been doing with sleeping pills. As though it mattered to us. I'm so glad that I devoted a lot of my my life to trying to emulate that. Because it turned out so well in the end for them. just like, what the heck? Who wanted that life? What a sad time. I know, but for a minute there, it looked good on the red carpet. It only looks good in in fake situations, right? (laughs) But yeah, that's true. You're right, though. It's funny that we like both sides of that. We do. It's like a weird... It's like depending on the mood, you either want to fantasize about being that person or tear them down to think they're not having a good time. I think that this is a weird schizophrenic thing that we do, and I've probably said this before, but I think it's interesting that... I bet people fall into one side or the other. I bet there's the dirt eaters. No, I think we do both, because here's the thing. When we tell stories, like when we have movies or books, so if you have a high school, a story set in a high school, Mm -hmm. we know that the most popular kids are Mm -hmm. the brats. Right. Universally. Universally. The star of the football team. There's never a popular, the 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 most popular cheerleader and the most popular football player are not going to be the good people. We want to see them fall. We want to see them get their comeuppance. By being humble. We want to see it happen. The justice Mm -hmm. be brought forth. (laughs) But here's the problem. When people are sitting in their own little imaginations where they themselves are the hero... They are, they, the star, they are the star football player. They are the lead cheerleader. They are that person. So it's like we simultaneously right. like despise a... it and we want it. It's like this weird... Well, I think now that we've brought this theory up, it is the same thing, though, that playing it, imagining being worshipped, being, you know, mm-hmm. like that it's both, that it's it's a, that it's us saying, no, I won't worship that in someone else. Mm-hmm. And then desiring the worship of others. But see, this goes back. I'm bringing it back again to ancient religions here. Well, if we could tie it in with cherubim, it would be better. Or wheels. (laughs) But but the thing is... It's Psalm 119. (laughs) And it comes back to the Bible reading challenge. No, the thing is, is, um, 
I do think that in, it's noticeable that in the ancient religions they worshipped their gods, but they did not love their gods. They oh, were no. yeah. they, fearful. They were afraid, slightly disdainful. They were always just doing what it you took just to get the god out of your hair. Yeah, you paid the ransom yeah. payment. But you didn't. You, protection and you might, money. You might like occasionally. You protection money. Occasionally, you have people who are devoted, like truly devoted to only one goddess. But that was really rare. But and they also, always got eaten alive. They always by the got others, yeah. yeah. They always got in trouble with the other ones. We're bringing it back to Ovid. Yeah. Ovid again. But the thing <laughs> is, is that um, I think that that's the kind of worship that we want. Is like we want um, devotion, but. But we like to imagine a sort of a mm. not we love. Would be, we would be petty gods. Not love, but like slavish. Yeah. Sort of, you know, like like mm-hmm. you sort of wield. Well, that's the power. because because the reality is the Christian God is the only God, the yeah. only true God, but also the only God that that gave Himself for us. Right. And so the only God that has that loved us. And right. that deserves love in response. Right. That's exclusively... But see, when we worship at these other little goofy idols of women who have it all together and have great wardrobes right. and they have simple lives and Or what's really, what's really in right now is women who are incredibly muscly. Oh, I hate that. No, but I mean, that's a thing. Like, the, like I decided not to worry what everyone thought about me not looking feminine like yeah. this and I decided to love myself and just enjoy how strong I am and how right. amazing right. my body is or, yeah but like when yeah. we admire those things it's never because we love that person it's because we kind of want what they have it's envy. It, there's envy yeah. it's like it's all sort of and, and there's admiration in there there's like but it's it's very much closer to the worship of, like, of false gods than the worship of the true god. You know when you god. go to get a drink at the soda fountain and you're a kid, so you do the suicide? It's like yeah. a little... It's like that with all the major vices. <laughs> it's like each one of us may have our own brew-hob. Like, yeah. Like, mine's more dominantly green, really. Mine, but yours like is to... mostly root beer, but I have... <laughs> I like to bring in a little lust and a lot of envy. Yes, and some of us have more tiki punch than the rest of us. <laughs> some <It's> of us <laughs> major on gluttony and sluggard behaviors. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's just kind of like depending on what your heart ordered up. But the yeah. reality is in all cases, it won't be satisfying. Like, there's no. only one relationship that's satisfying, and it's not self-worship, and it is not getting other people to worship you. It is you worshiping your God. And at the end of the day, you have to figure out what you think of yourself. Because, truth be told, it's going to be with you all the time. Yourself. Yourself. Your old self just You're going to be there the whole I time. I think I said something you... exactly like that in the book I just wrote, which yeah, is that the self... see that. The problem of identity. It was that the self is a problem because we all have one. Yeah. Like, and... this is an ancient problem well, and a continuing problem. Remember that when Knox was, like, a little tot sitting in his... Um, car seat he goes <laughs> he goes I'm just so sick of seeing my nose and we were like what and he goes everything I look at my nose is right in front of it and I'm just so sick of seeing my nose <laughs> I think we can all relate can't we man if I could just clean this situation out the 
nose out of my view. But it's like that with the self. Like, everywhere you look, there it is. Oh, and giving you no end of grief. No. That's the thing that's so funny. So you've got to get yourself so when you say you need to oriented be able, to your nose. Right. And when you say you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and love your God, what that is saying is you need to be able to fight your own self and your own impulses into submission to God, which is the most joyful place to be. But the reality is it's not like that comes easily. It requires self-mastery to be able to do that. Right. But I also think that there's a small difference, but also it's enormous. Um, when you say I, you should look in the mirror and love yourself versus you should look in the mirror and be grateful for for yourself given because you can't sit there. You cannot be grateful and full of bitter complaints about it. Like Mm -hmm. if you're grateful for what God has given you, then that drives out complaining and discontent and all of that stuff. And so, so many people I think are trying to counterfeit gratitude Right. By just saying, well, no. I love this. Or I they love go, myself. they go do weird gratitude exercises with their body. To no one in particular. Like, no, but they'll be like, I don't like my knees. So I focused on like thanking my knees for being powerful. Oh my gosh. For carrying me around. And, and your you're knees like, are do you know like, what you're I want to say? Is, yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm so glad you noticed. <laughs> I, the thing that I think is so sad about that is just, it's just like... Who are, you know, who made you? You know, like the idea of the fact that we know God created you. And then the the flagrant disrespect of yeah. thanking yourself for it. Like, like that's <laughs> unbelievable. Or, or, on the other hand, picking it apart all the time, being ugly all of about it. it. But imagine yourself if you are invited to a dinner and you go and you sit down. And then you're there at someone else's house and they put the soup before you and you taste it and you're like, Rachel, thank you for thinking of this. Like thanking yourself for something that you had nothing just to do with. like, I did a great job. I did a delicious job tonight. I did so this well. This was so good. Let me take another bite. Good job, Rachel. Thank you, self. <laughs> Thank you for bringing us here. Or, like, or and then you do the that table. the whole time. And then we consider that a success of understanding yourself. No. Or you're sitting at the table going, I hate this soup. Yeah. Why did you all give of me it this is soup? a fail. I didn't like this in my soup. But in both I cases. I wanted what that person has over there. Like, <laughs> what a rotten guest that would but be. But the idea of thanking yourself repeatedly for something that you did not do <laughs> is very funny because you think that's what we think of as being, and I, we think of, I mean, like, we shouldn't, but yeah. what people are tempted to think of is what we think of someone being a really well-adjusted human. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, man, she's so at ease with herself. You're like, good job loving yourself oh, and being, I love- taking credit. For all I the love things. how I built this table. Thank you for it. And I mean, like, it's so sad. It's like you had nothing to do with this whole situation. It's Get like, over no, yourself. But did you see I made a shape with my bread? <laughs> <laughs> but the idea, it's just, you just got to put it in its right order and be like, no, there's nothing good there for me. Oh, that is word. a dead end of doom. Do it not is. go there. Stop the Do madness. not start that thing. I like how what we talked about had nothing to do with what we meant to talk about, but it's all right. We sailed away on that. We wandered. Here it is at the end of the time. What do you want to recommend to everyone, Rach? Uh, I'll recommend the thing that I might have as a real tip later when I try it. Okay, this sounds great. It's... (laughs) 
little more enthusiasm there, Beck. <laughs> I'm going to think of Thank something that I also have never I, done. I bought a cookbook. I'll tell you. Color me intrigued. <laughs> I bought a cookbook because it had a Dutch oven on the front of it. And it was at Goodwill. It was 99 cents. And I was like... Worth a, you know, cheaper than a yeah. magazine. I should True. check it out and find out. I have a Dutch oven. I need uh-huh. to make. I need to make dinner. And that, well, there are things that put me off of this cookbook right away. Namely, that the author patented the technique. That I find <laughs> <laughs> that I find that to be beyond beyond forgivable. Oh, that's like kind of self. It's sort of it's sort of thinking you invented something that. Has been done. You before. you might be the person with the soup that we yeah, were, we were yeah. just speaking of exactly. So, but well, but it is a different technique. But it's in the Dutch oven, and it is a whole meal in a Dutch oven. But things I wouldn't have thought of putting in a Dutch oven. So it's like cooked faster. PBJs. So yeah, totally. <laughs> um, it's cooked at like 450 degrees for like an hour, and not like it's not like long and slow. It's hot and okay. and and but it. She says she'll layer like dry goods, then protein, then root vegetables, then above ground vegetables, and then so the idea is that you like pack a Dutch oven full, and then it all steams together at a high heat. It's like an infusion cooking thing, but where everything is in there sounds good actually. I think so too, but a lot of it it's it's like not something I would have thought of, but I have huge Dutch ovens and I think I should try it because yeah. she's some of them like there was one that was a pasta recipe where you like toss the rigatoni with a little bit of water, but then it's like goat cheese and sundry tomatoes and mushrooms and kale and stuff, but you like fill the whole Dutch oven up huh. and then bake it and pull it out, but and then there's somewhere she uses Potato, you know, like where you have potatoes in the bottom, or like couscous in the bottom, and like a Mediterranean chicken thing on that top, and then a ton of veggies. She's like fill the whole thing up with mm. veggies on top. So the bad news is that if it ever comes down to it, and you want to recommend this, you won't be able to because it's patented. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just what I'll do is I'll change one little ingredient to the there recipe, and then I will patent my own recipe. <laughs> I won't share it with anyone. What's your tip? Forgot to have one. Why? Why are you such a you're such a uh, cattle driver on me with the tips? I, I knew that I forgot to have one. So if I don't make you do it, well, listeners, who will? Next week it's Becca's turn, and we're gonna make Gosh. her talk the whole time about her tips. Tips oh from word. beginning to end. Tips everywhere. All right. Well, until next time. Have fun. Stop worshiping yourselves. <laughs> I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working 
in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.